In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all those up through the 12th grade please come forward. Marian, Johan, you coming? Hop, hop, hop. Good morning. How's everybody? What a glorious day this is, right? The Easter Bunny has come. I was out looking under, under a bush this morning and looking for the Easter Bunny, and a frog jumped in my mouth. Now I've got a frog in my throat. Yeah. It won't come out. Anyway, happy Easter. It's really not about the Easter Bunny, is it? No. Who is it about? Jesus. Jesus. What about Jesus? He, how, he, he died? Yeah. Where is he now? He's in heaven. Well, when he rose from the dead, did he go straight to heaven? No. Where did he go? Back to earth. Huh? He came back to did he ever appear to anybody? Do you remember when he was on earth? After he came back from, from the dead? He talked to Mary and he appeared in the upper room that night and that afternoon he appeared on the road to Emmaus with his disciples and then to 500 others it says in the Bible. So for 40 days Jesus in his spiritual body was with them. His disciples. Yeah, and then, he, and then he ascended into heaven to be with, at the right hand of his father where he's praying for us right now. So he's still alive. And so why do we celebrate it on this day? Do you know why we celebrate Easter today? Yes. Why? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, why? Because we, because we want to celebrate the... Jesus has come risen, come yeah. back from the dead. Yes. So we celebrate that today. And all through this past week, we walked with Jesus to the cross. I mean, in our services all week long, we walked with Jesus to the cross. And then last night, we had a wonderful Easter vigil. And we had our first Eucharist of Easter. And then today, we, we have these all, all these wonderful services celebrating the risen Christ. So if he did this 2,000 years ago, why are we celebrating today? Yes? Because when he died, he took all our sins away. Because when he died, he took all of our sins. And we're thankful, right? And we remember and we walk with Jesus. In this journey, we walk. Every day, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to be with us. And so the church remembers Year after year after year after year, for 2,000 years, Jesus walking from Galilee to Jerusalem to the cross, to hang upon the cross, to die for our sins, and then to be buried, and then three days later to come back to life. The church remembers that. We walk with Christ because that is one of the most important events in all of history in the world. It changes the whole world. It changes our lives. 
And so that's why we walk through it. That's why we celebrate it today. We walk with Christ to remember his resurrection and his presence with us. Right? Right. <laughs> Any questions? Any questions? Yes. Yes? But it's kind of not a question. What's a spiritual body? What is a spiritual body? That's a great kind of question that's not a question. <laughs> a spiritual body is when Jesus died. He, he died human. He was God and human, but he had flesh and blood, right? And then when he died and came back to life, we read in the Bible that he had a spiritual body that would last forever. And in some of the, in some of the gospel stories, Jesus would walk through a, a wall because the door was locked and he was there. And then another moment, he was on the road to Emmaus. And then another moment, he, so he kind of, Basically like a ghost, but not, not the scary kind of ghost, yeah, right? Ghost. Yeah. A good light everywhere. Yeah, but he still had his humanity. When we die, we're going to have the same kind of bodies, spiritual bodies. I don't know if we'll be flying. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I just, but it's something to think about, isn't it? That's a good question. Think about that, Okay. All right, thank you all for coming up. Uh, you can get a packet over there for Mr. Nick, and he will make sure. I mean, he'll make sure. Oops, here you go. You good? One of my favorite Easter jokes. Man's driving along a highway. He sees a rabbit. The rabbit jumps out in the middle of the road. The man swerves his car to avoid hitting it. But unfortunately, the rabbit jumps right in front of the car. And this driver, being a sensitive man and a lover of animals, pulls over. He gets out to see what has become of that rabbit. And much to his dismay, the rabbit is the Easter bunny. And the Easter bunny is dead. The driver feels awful. He begins to weep. A woman driving down the highway sees a man crying on the side of the road, pulls over. She steps out of the car, asks the man, what's wrong? He explains, I feel terrible. I accidentally hit the Easter Bunny with my car and I killed it. The woman says, don't worry. She runs to her car. She pulls out a spray can. She walks over to the limp, dead Easter Bunny, bends down and sprays him. The Easter Bunny jumps up, waves its paw at the two of them and hops off down the road. Ten feet away, he stops, waves his paw. And, and keeps going. Ten feet down the road, he stops, waves his paw, and keeps going. Hops another ten feet, turns, and waves his paw, keeps going. P repeats this over and over and over again until he hops out of sight. 
And the man, he's astonished. He runs over to the woman and demands, what is in that can? What did you spray on the Easter bunny? And the woman turns the can around so that he can read the label. Hairspray restores life to dead hair and adds permanent wave. It is amazing that this weekend with literally millions and millions of Christians and hundreds of thousands of churches all over the globe gathered together to celebrate the greatest event in the history of the world. That three days after the death of Jesus, the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty. Christ was not there, he has risen from the dead. And because of that, we gather together to celebrate this goodness, this holiness of God, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today I welcome all of you here as we celebrate together. St. John in his gospel tells us the story of the first Easter that is unlike any of the other gospels. And as is so typical of John's accounts, this one is full of detail. But also, as is always true of John, none of the detail is without meaning. For instance, John tells us that Mary Magdalene was the first one at the tomb and that she went alone so that when she discovered the empty tomb, she had to go back to the other disciples to tell them so as to have the proper witnesses. This leads to a wonderful holy foot race between Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved. So what's the point of this little tidbit of information, this, this holy foot race? Well, believe it or not, there have been dozens of theories about it. Some have said that it was just to point out that St. Peter was older than St. John, and we do believe that, and that's why John was faster. Other theories have been much deeper, like the one from Rudolf Bultmann, that Peter represented the Jewish Christians and John represented the Gentile Christians, and the race, along with all of the interplay between the two of them, represented which branch of the early church came to true faith first. But personally, I think it's one of those details that John puts into his gospel to give us an indication that this really happened. After all, if someone was going to make up an account of the empty tomb, why include a foot race between two disciples? Anyway, John gets to the tomb first. He doesn't go in. He looks in. He doesn't go in. Peter, who almost always represents you and me and the very human quality of sometimes acting without thinking, he doesn't hesitate. He just barges right into the tomb. And then, interestingly, John goes in. He looks around, and the gospel tells us he believes. 
So according to the fourth gospel, the first person to believe in the resurrection was St. John. And of course, it doesn't hurt that John is also the one telling the story. But be that as it may, he looks in, he sees the burial linens left behind, and rather than being confused, like all the others, he believes. But John does an odd thing for someone who now believes in the resurrection. He goes back home with Peter. And this is one of the themes of the crucifixion and resurrection stories in John. It was the women who consistently defied the authorities and stuck it out with Jesus while the men hid. That theme is carried out in this particular story. John and Peter return to the house where they were staying. And Mary remains at the tomb crying because she cannot find the body of Jesus. And then she sees the resurrected Christ, even though she doesn't know that it's the resurrected Christ. And Jesus says in one word, Mary. And she knows who it is. The power in that one word of calling her name. Quite amazing when you think about it. Mary has been standing in and around the tomb for some time. She's spoken with two angels already. She's seen Jesus and not recognized him even after he had spoken to her. Because remember, he's already asked her, why are you crying? Whom do you seek? That's another interesting detail in this gospel. Jesus speaks to her and she doesn't recognize his voice until he says that one word, Mary. One of the many things that this gospel account is trying to tell us by example is a reiteration of what Jesus told the disciples in the 10th chapter of this same gospel. Jesus said that he was the good shepherd, he himself, and that he called each of his sheep by name. He said, they know my voice, they will follow me. He calls each sheep by name and they know his voice and will follow him. Jesus called Mary by name and she knew his voice and followed him. On the road to Damascus, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus called Saul by name and thereafter he followed Jesus as the Apostle Paul. Jesus calls each of us by name. When I was in the 8th and ninth grade, my family and I, we lived in Dallas, and remember I come from a large family, nine kids, my mother and my sometimes dad, and because of where we lived in a particular district, one of my brothers and I, my twin and I, attended Spence Junior High School, at which we were the extreme minority, like maybe 3% out of the other 97% of other ethnicity. And I still remember my best friend walking home with us quite often after school every day, Billy Ray Smith. But I also remember, like never before, one of my teachers in that school calling me by name, not at roll call, but in conversation time and time again. And I don't know why it hit me so wonderfully hard at that time in my life, but my teacher, Mr. Phil Wakeham, 
knew my name and it had a great impact on me. So much so that 15 years later, I found out where he lived, he and his family. And I stopped by to tell him how much I appreciated his kindness. Jesus calls each of us by name. There probably won't be a loud voice coming out of the clouds. It won't let us ignore him until we do his bidding. It's not that kind of thing necessarily. Instead, it will probably be more like God's conversation with the prophet Elijah when the voice of the Lord came to the prophet in a still, small voice. Folks, there is no doubting the magnitude and the magnificence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In an instant, all life on earth was changed forever, whether it knew it or not. The incarnation of God died on a cross, was buried and rose from the dead so that we might have the promise of eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins. Folks, that is monumental beyond all description. But make no mistake, within all of that magnificence, there is the call of God to Mary, to Paul, to each of us, through the work of Jesus Christ in a small, still voice that we will instantly recognize. And that voice calls us to change and to follow him. Wherever we are, whatever we are doing, when that voice calls us by name, it will change our lives forever if we allow ourselves to be changed. Mr. Phil Wakeham had a huge impact on my life when he made it clear that he knew who I was, when he called me by name. But not nearly as much of an impact as when the Lord Jesus called me by name. The year was 1975. I was still living at home. I was 19 years old, working a full-time job in a warehouse, driving a truck around the city of Dallas, making deliveries. As happy and fulfilled as I thought I could be, helping to pay the bills at home, buy groceries, not planning to continue my college education. We couldn't afford it if I did plan it. Mary and I, we were already a thing, having been together for four years, and then after another four years, we got married. I had attended church with my family all my life at all the different places we lived, a very strong foundation, but no real relationship with the Lord. And then one night, I went to bed like normal. I fell asleep. And then I was disturbed from sleep by the voice of God. And for two to four hours, in that in-between awake and sleep stage, I listened to what God had to say. I listened to God who knew me inside and out, but also to a God whom I barely knew. I listened to God tell me that what was in store for my life when I was already satisfied with my then present reality. I listened to God tell me that I was to be a priest in his church. What? 
And what did that voice sound like? I cannot begin to describe it. It was nothing audible, but it was solid. It was way more than just me thinking. It was me knowing. It was almost like the story of Jacob and God wrestling and struggling through the night, except with me, it was much less struggling. This whole God experience was beyond even the boundaries of my imagination, but folks, it was real. The voice of God on that night changed the course of my whole life. And so for the next 14 years of nighttime and modified education, the Lord kept opening door after door after door. I earned my bachelor's and my master's degree. And in 19, I keep wanting to say 18, in 1989, I was ordained a deacon and a year later I was ordained a priest and folks, at that ordination, I felt like I came home. In all those years, I did not doubt. I did not hesitate. I obeyed God's calling on my life because God called me by name. The voice of God will call your name. And if you are open to hearing it, if you haven't heard it already, you will be so filled with love and strength and faith and that peace which passes all understanding and your lives will thereafter be dedicated to listening for that voice and spending your time trying to follow it wherever it leads. The resurrection itself was a world altering event, but as Mary's story tells us it was also a very personal event. God called Mary by name. And so after this week of walking through the passion of Christ, of standing at his cross while he's suffering in agony and finally dying, dry your tears. Stop searching in all the wrong places, expecting to find something that's not there. Listen, as the resurrected Christ calls you by name. And then let the power of that call sink into your very soul and go out reborn as a renewed disciple of Jesus Christ and proclaim to the world that the Lord is risen, that the Lord is alive. Dare to be changed at the calling of your name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.